want you to know better, do better, and be better. This is Hair, Head, and Heart with your host, cosmetology instructor, industry advocate, and writer, Mary Reed Johnson. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Hair, Head, and Heart. This is Mary Reed Johnson. You know, our mission is to help you know better, do better, and be better. Our call-in number is 888-627-6008. And though we usually take calls in around 630, feel free to call us at any time. Uh, when you call in, please turn your radio down and you can uh, talk and we can hear you. You can access uh the conversation later for free. Hair, Head, and Heart uh, has podcasts at 3hwellness.org, iHeartRadio, and some other affiliates. So this week it has been brutal. If you've been watching uh, Burma and some surrounding areas, they've escalated to burning villages. It's it's a really horrific uh, thing going on uh, there. And in Zimbabwe, South Africa, they have the displaced leadership seems to have made a fairly smooth transition. And here in the U.S., it seems that net neutrality is really already slowing down some sites like Yahoo. If you've gone on online and compared uh, Google to Yahoo as far as uh, speeds and, and accessibility, there's already some changes. And we'll talk about those things um, probably in the next couple of weeks and then watch and see what happens with those things. But hope, hopefully... We'll be able to continue to have shows like Hair, Head, and Heart. And uh, as our limiting uh, access to information uh, and restrictions to just movements that we've had freedoms uh, throughout the United States uh, with, and, and, and more just things become a little strange, and these separatist actions that uh, are almost becoming normal, um, well, we'll say so-called norm. Uh, hopefully, we will uh, get some some insight on those things and learn how to combat them a little bit better than we are right at this very second. But uh, tonight, what we're going to be doing is really exploring uh, things about family and how um, even in this season where usually you enjoy being with your loved ones. Uh, travel is really part of that season uh, quite often. And what do you do when a simple positive experience turns into something totally unimaginable? Like, can you forgive? What would you do differently? These questions and some incredibly generous solutions will be shared today by our guest, Cheryl Hill. She's the founder of Depart Smart, and it's a group that she developed to help you and your children travel safely and increase the chances of you returning home to your loved ones, especially if you travel abroad. And um, that is just a baby version, and Cheryl's going to share a a lot of her experience. And uh, Cheryl, I just thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's an honor. Right. There's hundreds and thousands of American students who study abroad each year, but there's very little transparency when things go wrong. And uh, no one can say exactly how many things are, how many uh, students are injured or uh, just pass away. But um, unfortunately, uh, for Cheryl, she had a really horrific experience. So, Cheryl, can you tell us about your son, Tyler, and his story? Of course. Um, I I would like to start off by saying I'm a host mother and family of eight international youth for more than 12 years. Four of those were after Tyler, my beautiful and vibrant 16-year-old son, lost his life on a people-to-people trip to Japan in 2007. His death was 100% preventable, and he would be alive today if we knew what you and I are going to teach your listeners. Tyler was a leader and a role model at his school, and he was MVP in rugby. He played hockey and football. He was an 
a honor student who won awards in advanced history. His teacher used to say he was the kind of kid you never wanted to call on because he knew more about history than you. And he was recognized as a hero at his high school for single-handedly um, reporting a bomb threat. I'll never forget the day he came home and he said, Mom, don't celebrate this. I did that because I was scared. And I said, you know what, honey? All those other kids were scared too, but they didn't do the right thing. And that is the difference between being heroic and not. So while Tyler was in Japan, um, he he did write a beautiful essay about how my dad served on the cleanup crew at Pearl Harbor. He was in the Navy, and um, we used to have stories about that and how that affected my dad for a lifetime. And my son's perspective on being asked on a letter by Mary Jean Eisenhower to represent the United States as a student ambassador to Japan was, Mom, isn't it a beautiful thing? that yes. a war could happen. And this is one opportunity. I can go meet Japanese uh, kids my age, and we can talk about creating peace together. He said, I so want to be a part of that. And so what parent would not want to give their kid the world? I did not know why. Yeah. There, I, I no had way. wondered why exactly he had wanted to go to, to Japan, but that explains it. Yeah, and, and we are also host family, and so we wanted to give him the opportunity of um, the same opportunity that the students who were coming into our family were receiving. And Japan is a very sophisticated country. They have some of the best health care in the world in Tokyo, and my son died there. Um, and what happened was that um, they hiked him up Mount Fuji with one bottle of water on a hot day, and he... <laughs> ran to the top singing, I was walking on sunshine, and came down and said, I'm, I'm sick, I'm dehydrated. Okay. And his teacher chaperone sent him to his room, and he vomited violently all night, uh, was spitting blood in the sink, and the teachers were having an alcohol party. They left my son alone in his room. He tried to dial emergency numbers, so who wouldn't pick up the phone and call 911, except that the emergency number in Japan is 119. And even if he could have gotten through, he wouldn't have been able to ask for help. And when I received the call, I tried to um, get to him. And my every person who has a loved one overseas, and if you're going overseas, your loved ones need to have a passport good for six months beyond your return date. So when my son was going to Japan, I checked my passport, and it was good for four months. It was good for three or four months. I thought, oh, I'm good. And then when I had Mm. to need it, when I needed it, um, I was denied access to the flight because my passport did not pass the validity rule of six months beyond the return date. They want to make sure you're coming back. And I'm grateful for our congressman who advocated for us to get me on the flight, or otherwise I wouldn't have made it. And then when I did have the chance... Who was the congressman at that time? Ramstead. Jim Ramstead in Minnesota. Thank you. And he was very, very helpful. So when I was trying to advocate for my son, I faxed his medical records to the Japanese Red Cross Hospital, and the response I got back was, no, Japanese, please. Please send in Japanese. And I'm like, oh, my God, they can't even read his health records. So we've learned through Tyler's School of Hard Knocks and through hundreds of other data that we've collected over the years what people need to know and do to identify and avoid risks so they can get help and get home. And I can guarantee you through our 10 point savvy uh, travel safety savvy quiz that probably you and most of your listeners do not know these 10 top things. I was very surprised uh, with the pretest. Well, yes, we'll let you talk about that because um, if you, if you just get on uh, her website, will you, would you give your website uh, for me, please? Absolutely. We are depart smart.org. It's like you're taking off for a flight. Depart smart.org. And when you so uh, I, click on the Travel Safety Savvy Quiz, that's the point we're talking about. It's on the home page. And I encourage everyone to test that because I, I thought I would have done really very well with that and, uh, you know, gotten 100% and I didn't. Uh, so there are things that you just don't think about. You just take things for granted, and um, that is a problem. And so Cheryl has been, and, and your husband has been very generous in, in taking their experience and turning it to something good and helpful. Um, unfortunately, 
uh, Tyler uh, was not able to return home. So um, go on, on her site, learn uh, or take the pretest first, and then later I think you'll be inspired to become one of the travel heroes. But go on, Cheryl. I'm, my apologies. It no, was just such no a powerful worries. story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, if you want to read more about Tyler's story, you can find out at tylerhill.org, T-Y-L-E-R-H-I-L-L.org. It's one of the hardest things that people want to know is how did Tyler die. There is a a really beautiful expose done by Lisa McCormick that uh, touched my heart. Uh, she wrote for Consumer Affairs. And so it's at the Tyler site. Um, things that you as a parent... Um, I know that the organization was established because you learned and there are things that you would do now that you didn't know to do then, you know, um, what would be like the number, the the top three things maybe that you as a parent um, changed so that you could set up this organization and help other people? What were the the things that you wish you had known before? Well, the number one thing everyone should know is that when it comes to travel, especially travel abroad, the travel and tourism industry is a $7 trillion industry that lacks any type of consumer safety or awareness or reporting whatsoever. If you think about it, we are so spoiled in America because there is consumer safety protections on everything. If you pick up a water bottle, there is a warning, don't choke on the cap. Mm 3,000 children lose their lives every year choking on the cap. If you get uh, an Amazon Christmas package and there's a plastic bag in it, it says, avoid putting this bag around children. They could suffocate. We have consumer protection warnings on everything. If you buy a vehicle, you know the safety record, the gas mileage, and there's all kinds of protections there. But if you buy a trip, and we all have been kind of following President Trump's bans and screenings and, um, you know, there's a ban to Venezuela, there's a ban to Korea, North Korea. But you can right now go on to Google and you can Google search Vacation North Korea, Vacation Venezuela. And you'll see pitches from travel agencies enticing you into that destination for money. And there is no warning on that purchase point that the United States government is advising you not to go there. You're not going to find it. You're not going to see a warning on Mexico or anywhere else. The number one thing that every person, especially parents, have to know is that no one has got their hand on the pulse of travel consumer safety. No one. No one can tell you how many people are missing, killed, abused, robbed, starved, abandoned, scammed on these exotic trips into foreign countries. And I had someone tell me one day that, oh, my God, you're such a buzzkill. And I looked out at this room of 400 people and I said, no, I'm not. We kick buzzkill butt. The buzzkill is when you got the phone call that I got. And so really what we're about with Deep Heart Smart is... It's preventable. It's avoidable. Um, My daughter is uh, going on a trip, a study abroad, which is encouraged by all the colleges, of course, right? Sometimes mandated. And and uh, churches too. But anyway, long story short, she's going to South Africa, and because of your organization, I will. I mean, I knew some questions to ask, and unfortunately, at, uh, she goes to the University of Minnesota, and unfortunately, it took other people who had died, who were students at the U, who studied abroad and didn't come back for them to put some things in place as well. Um, uh, and so with her, um, we're, we're, we're very fortunate because um, she's going uh, to a compound. They don't like to use these words, right? But it really is a compound. And there's barbed wire fencing. There's uh, the staff is armed 24-7. Uh, they have biometrics. Uh, so she'll use her thumb to get in and to exit the the hotel, basically that they're staying in. And um, even when they're traveling from uh, one country to another, and they have to uh, refuel, they're not allowing them to be, to get off of the plane in Kenya because 
they've had so many different things um, happen that um, didn't didn't fare well for the school. Um, I think one of the other things that they have is an advantage. A lot of these travel um, groups, they are they have nothing to do with the organization. So, for example, um, Joe Bob Travel Trillion Dollar Group, right? They approach a school. You think that they have something to do with the school, and they really don't. And like you said, it's really about money. So with her, this particular instructor has been with the school, with the university for 20 years. He's led a group for seven years to this specific country, and it would be his second home um, if he if he didn't live in the United States. So he, you know, he's very well connected there. Um, but it's still a lot of cultural differences. It's knowing, like you said, what's the what's the uh, emergency number? What happens if my child is sick? So in her case, uh, she will be, um, if they even suspect she'll be sick for more than 72 hours, the type of insurance they have will allow us to fly in or be flown in because it would be even more ludicrous to have her travel back home by herself if she's already sick. So they, um, because of other people's hardship, they've set up many, many things, um, kind of like what your organization is doing, to try to help people be smart about getting things in place and then, again, increasing the likelihood of them coming home. So I just, I, you know, mother to mother, I, I, I just can't wanna, even so I just imagine. Read, I want to tell you, that I hope that that's true. What you need to know as a parent is that if your child is at a state university, there is something called sovereignty, and you have no recourse whatsoever if something happens to your child on a study abroad program at the state university. You cannot sue them for personal injury or wrongful death because they have sovereignty. They are a government-funded institute, and there are no laws or requirements for that professor, I don't care how many times he's been into South Africa, there are no qualified presets of skills that that professor is mandated to have. Does that professor have rape and sexual assault? Rape and sexual assault in Kenya and South Africa are very prevalent, and yet the um, services to respond to uh, sexual assault and rape crisis intervention are very poor there. And what, I, what we're trying to do at Depart Smart, and we've done it from consumer-driven incidents, so the, just so you know, the University of Minnesota Study Abroad Safety Director served on our board for three years when we were clear-cut. We had some reports about some rapes and sexual assaults where the students said, oh, I won't get my degree, I won't graduate if I report. They say I'm scaring other kids. Oh, and no. the director resigned from our board, basically saying, don't talk bad about our program. And I said, well, don't give us something bad to talk about. We need to be advocates for these kids. We sent them there. We need to support them while they're over there. And then a few months later, we got a report that the University of Minnesota had worked with a group called VINUSA and had done a study abroad program in Venezuela. In case you missed it, President Trump has a travel ban to Venezuela. When we called the school to say, hey, we're getting calls from parents, they're concerned about their kids, students at the University of Merida have taken over, they set buses on fire, they shot a student from Chile in the face, and we need to get those kids out of here. The United States Embassy in Caracas said, no, we got our Fulbright students out of Merida, and we think that they should vacate. The response I received from the University of Minnesota was, they are young adults, they chose to stay. Now, if you are a student on a college campus in the United States of America, and there is an active shooter on that campus, do you know what? It doesn't matter if you're an adult. You don't get to choose to stay. So I'm sorry no. to be hardcore here, but you don't get a second no, chance. No, this is my what we need. My son came home in a coffin. And no one, no one, in my opinion, should be sending a United States student funded by our tax dollars to Kenya. There has been a warning in Kenya since 2012, Peace Corps has pulled out. United States aid has relocated. There are lockdowns on United States employees in Kenya. Why would you send your daughter there, even to touchdown? Mm. I don't get it. But you trust See, your that's... school, and you trust that professor. Well, it's more than that. The kids want to go, and they're not, they're not little ones anymore. You know. Okay, and I want to tell you something, what you just said. You just said kids. Yes. These are still college kids. They do not have fully developed frontal lobes, and they need responsible adults 
who understand the consequences, to give them advice and to put up boundaries where they need to be. And I'm, I'm not telling you to not send your kids. No, I appreciate this. This is, one, this is nope. This is why we're talking because parents need to know how can they work with their kids? How can they work with the schools? Because you have lived. You have why lived. Why do we need to send? Why do we need to send undergraduate kids into territories where they have to have Uzi guarded campuses and you have to use your thumb to get into it? There is nothing that they are going to. Why is that necessary? The world is a big campus. I agree with you. It's not safe anywhere. I I think that the safety is as safety does, and some places are safer than others. Agreed. Agreed. But if the kids are, are, are encouraged, actually, it's almost it's almost a requirement in schools. That it is a requirement in abroad. some schools. Some schools, the University of Minnesota Carlson School of Management mandates study abroad. Mm-hmm. The University of so, Wisconsin, where my son goes, mandates that you study abroad for a Spanish minor at the College of Engineering. Here's what else I know since we're on the study abroad topic, and you are hitting my hot buttons. And I and I oh, this I is great. I start I appreciate this. This is how people learn. My son was mandated to study abroad to earn a secondary degree in Spanish. And he was going through the College of Engineering at the University of Wisconsin, not the study abroad office. So surprisingly, the safety and security officer of the study abroad office for the University of Wisconsin has no responsibility, does not have his hand on the pulse of the College of Engineering study abroad program. They do that autonomously, just like your professor at the University of Minnesota. He probably does not have to go through the study abroad office because he's independent. So he doesn't have the the strong uh, background and skill sets and tracking tools and everything that the University of Minnesota has implemented to do the best job they can do to safeguard students on programs abroad. And we want programs abroad. I, I want my son to go abroad and learn Spanish. I tried to work with the University of Wisconsin to say, hey, I'm not a fan of Buenos Aires. Here's why. What I'd like to do is send him to Santiago where he could stay with our exchange students' family. He has family there. They love him. They care about him. His brother's uh, an engineer. It'll work great. It's just $10,000 more than what Minnesota said. Well, they said no, because they don't get to pocket the $10,000 in research. So, And that professor, so, so you can be an, an, an autonomous professor idling on your own, creating whatever study abroad program you want to do, and giving yourself a big raise doing it to go anywhere in the world you want to go because nobody's governing it. And you don't even have to go through the college. The college doesn't have to go through the U. And if something terrible, awful happens, and I can tell you this story, if you, if you read the story about Robbie Thackeray, it is egregious, or the story about Kara Munn. Kara Munn was a high school student. She was sent abroad with Hodgkins University. She got encephalitis in China. She didn't get timely and appropriate care, and she will never be the same again that she survived. She is trapped in a body that cannot speak and often has a hard time swallowing. And the judge amended their complaint for punitive damages because they are not a state university, and they awarded her more than $40 million. And that somebody might say that that's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money if you need constant care and a speech synthesizer, right? She'll use tools. She'll, She'll never be the same or normal again. It has affected her quality of life. And if you look at Robbie Thackerdeen, he was a brilliant valedictorian student. He was a savant at Swarthmore School, and he was enticed to go to Costa Rica with Duke University, who outsourced to with the Organization of Tropical Studies. And they put that kid on a beach they should have never been on. It was one of the most dangerous rip currents in the world, according to our safety specialist, Dr. John Fledemeyer. And Robbie died trying to save the life of a student who got swept out. And they knew he drowned, and yet the mother told me that when they called, they said, your son's missing. And Duke University would not Mm -hmm. talk or answer the questions of that mother. And Robbie's body sat on the beach uh, in Costa Rica and was hauled in the back of a rickety truck. We're talking about Duke University that has a lot of endowments. And yet their duty of care and duty to perform when Robbie died was nil. They they got no support. Nothing. So if you want to get me fired up about how awesome oh, this, study abroad is. This is exactly why we want you here, because 
uh, it's easy to get, you know, trusting. We just trust. It's complacent. It sounds like they're doing something, but that's just not enough. And so oh, I've that's been there seven why. years. You know what? You didn't ask that, Professor. How many students did you take over there? Out of all the students you took to South Africa, how many were hurt? How many were sick? How many were raped? How many were lost? How many died? Actually, because, because of you, I did ask those. And uh, for his particular group, he wasn't accounting for the other ones, but his particular group, on average, it's 25 students that go. Um, there's seven groups or whatever those numbers are, a few hundred. Um he has had no incidents. The the two things that happened, um, he said, had to do with drinking. And um, the the legal age for drinking there is 18. And they, he did say that if you have a drink, if you if you were here and someone bought you a drink, they would you know you might consider it a courtesy or something. But there, um, the men think they own you, so don't accept drink. They had uh, they have a Facebook. Uh, group specifically for alumni who've gone on the trip that people can talk to. And then they have a blog where um, if Tyra takes a picture, that's my daughter's name, sorry, um, she takes a picture or something like that, then I can check in like as often as I want to um, and, and see what she's What's doing your daughter's and where name? she is. Tyra. Kyla. Hmm. That sounded like Tyra, Tyler. T-Y-R-A. Very close to Tyler, but Tyra. Yeah, it's interesting. So here's the thing. When my son was invited, enticed, with false information, they said he was named for the honor to represent people to the United States and people to pastors in Japan. He was never nominated. And when I asked that program what their safety record was, they told me they hadn't had, uh, that they had a solid safety record and they hadn't had a death in 50 years. And yet... During the depositions of our my son's wrongful death lawsuit, we found out that those exact same teachers, both of them, were on a trip where Ian Phillips died, and they never told me. Oh, my So there, there is the truth, and there is what you're being told, because there is no requirement for anybody to report the truth. But if someone says to you, oh, we've never had an incident happen, and then suddenly, oh, but there were two, but alcohol was involved. First of all, alcohol is not a pass. And the second thing is that very often I can cite a number of cases where the professors took the kids drinking. And then they, they're out partying at 2 in the morning. They have to be somewhere at 7. The professor rents the truck and drives, which is a very bad idea. And they, had, they spun out and had an accident. The van landed in the water. Everybody got out but Zoe Damon. And Zoe drowned and died. And the professor who was out drinking with the students, apparently, uh, said, oh, we've got to get another tour and come down and put this terrible awful behind us. No one stops them. Nobody investigates it. You're on your it's, own. It's, and that's why it's, it's our travel crazy. safety course, our travel safety course is there and relevant. Because students at universities love Mama Hill. I don't whitewash. I don't filter. And I don't want you to depend on somebody else to get help at home. You need to power up and know how to take care of yourself when you put your foot down. Now, let me talk to you about that insurance that you're, you're trusting so much that's going to give you bedside assistance to your child. If that insurance is sold by the University of Minnesota, and the University of Minnesota is the affiliate, they get a commission off of every insurance you sell, right? So the University of Minnesota sends thousands of students abroad. Just like people to people sent 20,000 students abroad, and I insured with Berkeley Care. When my son died, I was supposed to receive a death benefit. It was an accidental death benefit. They sent me a letter and said, your son's death was not an accident. We aren't going to pay the death benefit. If you investigate that deeper, you'll find out that Berkeley Care did not see me as the customer. I bought one policy for a couple hundred dollars. But people to people sold 20,000 policies, and they saw people to people as the customer, and they didn't want to offend the cash cow. So my mm -hmm. advice to parents and students is you need to understand where the money goes. And if your program is getting compensated for the insurance you're buying, you need an alternate. Because when you need to process that claim, you want to be paid. And you don't want follow the money to interfere with your ability to get it. 
in our course, we, we created, with the help of students, with active engagement from students at St. Cloud State University, from Carlson School of Management, from St. Thomas, uh, University of St. Thomas, Minnesota, from the Minnesota College of Art and Design, we actively engage students in a course the way they wanted to learn it. Because let's be honest, nobody wants to take a safety course. And we already know that you don't know how to travel safety because it's a quiz, and we should go through it so your listeners can hear how we've identified it. We asked 500 families like mine who will never look in their eyes or hear the voice of their kids during ever again. And we asked them, what do you know now that you didn't know then that could make travel awesome in life-saving ways so that these kids don't come home in a coffin? And that's what I've put a lot of love, a lot of intensity, and a lot of comprehensive information in six modules that take 10 to 12 minutes each that are going to teach you how to travel safely and embrace the world and create peace that sustains time in less than an hour and 10 minutes. And you're going to create a personal travel safety plan. It's your plan. So if something should happen to your professor or if something should shake out or if you read something that says, hey, Peace Corps has withdrawn from Kenya. That's a red flag. That should be telling you I shouldn't be going to Kenya. Well, even when when I was looking, when I was looking at, oh gosh, I I should know my organizations, um, the places where you are supposed to look to tell you if there is a travel advisory, a travel warning, a do not travel, it's kind of murky and, and, and hard to know. It's like, so how, how hard is that? It's, it's the, the reason it's hard is because nobody has ever shown you how, right? And once you know how, it's not hard. It's super easy. And let's, let's just, can, we, can you and I just take a minute and let's go to the you. Travel Safety Savvy Quiz to let your readers know the top 10 things we learned from hundreds of families who lost children abroad. And what you're trying Thank to talk about right now is number one, do you read U.S. State Department that's the Foreign Affairs Office of the United States government. Do you read U.S. State Department country-specific safety information when planning a trip abroad, yes or no? Most people will say, no, what's that? Exactly. My first time, I was like, I don't know, no. But uh, since right. so this is at engaging, I'll travel, say yes. Travel.state.gov. If you go to travel.state.gov, and you click on International Travel, it's the second tab, and then on that page you click on Country Information, which is the second tab, it opens up a window where you type in country's name of where you're traveling to. So you would type in Kenya or South Africa or Mexico or wherever you want you're going. If I type in Kenya right now and I click Go, the first thing that pops up is a big red orange flag and it says travel warning september 8th 2017 kenya travel warning the u.s state department warns citizens to avoid travel to the border area between somalia and kenya because of threats by terrorist group al-shabaab and then if you read down further in the safety and security section it will tell you that peace corps has been withdrawn for ever and then there's another tool you can use called the osac crime report for kenya osac the overseas security advisory council puts out safety reports by country often. And if you did OSAC, Crime Report, Kenya, 2017, you'll get very detailed information about Nairobi and Islay and Mombasa and all the reasons why people are killing each other over drought and not having water. And women are... This this lends to your, you know, truth, because they absolutely are going to Kenya. But to give us peace, they said, but they're not deplaning. That doesn't, that's, that's just ludicrous because they're still in Kenya, which there's a travel warning against, basically. But why are they landing in Kenya? Why are they even well, doing that? That and is, here's the other well, thing. refuel. Just sign this waiver. If you can mm. study abroad in Kenya, just sign this waiver. Before you sign that waiver, you need to make sure an attorney looks at it. And we're just talking about students here, but I guarantee you, parents, students came to us when we were clear cause, and they said, Mama Hill, you are not clear cause. You are deep heart smart, and my mom and dad need to know this too. You need to go deeper, broader, and higher. 
because everybody needs to know how to depart smart. So the students named us depart smart and actually helped kind of helped us with our branding. The second question, did you register your trip with the state department? And people are like, what? Yeah. I should register my trip abroad with the state department. What happens yes, in most study abroad are. programs is that the professor or the study abroad program registers your child for you. And you feel so good about that. Except that when that happens, the study abroad professor or the program is interceding and getting the warnings instead of you and your child. No one oh should my. register you for your trip abroad except for you. The contact okay. information should be yours, and you should be alerted when your United States consular thinks it's too scary. I got an alert when I was in Scotland that Osama bin Laden was killed. And their alert said, we're not sure about retaliation. Do not join crowds. Do not rally. Do not identify yourself as an American. Well, of course, every Scot I met wanted to buy me a Guinness. And I was like, oh, no, I'm from Canada. No, you know, I was just you. trying to maintain my low key. But I was grateful. Another time I was in Australia, I got a warning that London had riots and they wanted to reroute me through them. I'm like, yes, thank you very much. I'll take that. And if something happens back home, your consulate will get a hold of you and let you know about the emergency there. You can register your trip with the U.S. State Department. It's called the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. Everyone should do this themselves. And it's called step.state.gov. If you go to departsmart.org and invest $50 in your health and safety, it will take you one hour to learn these tools and how to do that. And we'll tell you why it's important. There are animated videos developed by students. There are games to play to reinforce learning. There are instructional videos. There are expert testimonies. And there is a personalized travel safety plan. At the end of your hour, you're going to have a plan of action. So you'll know that you and your parents or whoever your loved ones are know how to get to you and help. The third question, did you visit a travel clinic weeks before you depart? And people look at me and they're like, what's a travel clinic? Well, the Centers for Disease Control puts out health risks to you, and travel clinics are travel medicine specialists that have access to databases that can forewarn you about things like, in Africa, Ebola, right? So that was something you would want to know about before you got there, or cholera, or any type of, you know, pathogen that could totally change your life. And like, maybe you need a polio booster. There are some countries where you need a yellow card. You have to have the card to enter and you have to show proof that you have the yellow fever vaccine. If you're going to Africa, you probably need malaria meds. And those are things that your travel clinic can help you with. But seriously, and, nine out of 10 people don't even do it. And if you're going and then, to Mexico, well, along the lines, same thing about clarity. And, and this is just, just so helpful for, for me, and I hope many other people. Um, well, if you're south of the border, you should be taking um, traveler's diarrhea rehydration tools, you know, like there are these, um, mm-hmm. these tablets that you can drop in water that will help you with potassium. There are all kinds of preventive and helpful meds that you can get and legally take with you. And there are some meds that are legal here that could get you thrown in jail, like Sudafed. And that's why you need to go to a travel clinic. Right. And they Question have. They, I'm not. I'm not saying everyone go to the U because they've got all the answers or anything. By by any means, I want you to depart smart, and I want people to sign up for um, travel heroes, and I want them to actually work through the program. And it doesn't take that. I long. would love to give the University of Minnesota the Depart Smart Seal of Approval for transparency and for um, standards. Right. This is a standardized education tool. And I have had people from some of the most prestigious universities and organizations around tell me that this is overwhelmingly comprehensive. They have also told me that they like the conversational, fun tone of it. So we're not scary in the course. You set me off with your story and how confident you are. I think that this is how people learn. And it's important. And so we did try to make it. I just like the world that's listening to you to know that in the course, we're fun, we're engaging, there are jokes, there are games, and it's meaningful. And you will have the skills to travel forever for a long, safe lifetime because you'll know what to do and how to get help at home. And we already talked about the emergency number, and it's different in most countries. And you also need to know how to ask for help in the local language. So that's question five and six. 
But we didn't talk about this. In some countries, there is a Napoleon law, guilty until proven innocent. And if you pick up that phone and you call 911 to report a crime to the police, you may be arrested because you know too much. If you're in Mexico and you're driving and there was a a horrific bus accident in Mexico, and if you read it very carefully, you will see that the bus driver was arrested. If you are in Mexico and you cause an accident hurting someone, you are going to be arrested and you are going to be thrown in jail and you could sit there for months before your case ever comes up and gets heard. So you need travel insurance with legal support to support you and hopefully try to get you out of jail if something like that should happen. But my advice is don't rent cars in those countries and don't call the police. And right now the cartel is just in Mexico. There is uh, it's, I think it's number two in the world right now for intentional homicides. So you need to be aware of what's happening where and how to avoid it. So you need to know if you can call the emergency number. And even in Italy, Italy has guilty until proven innocent. There was a girl who reported rape in Florence, and they said, Mm -hmm. oh, you're libel and slandering our citizen. We're throwing you in jail. You need to have a trusted agent who has your best interests at heart. In my my opinion, that is a neutral third-party, excellent insurance provider. And our insurance, our travel insurance module, will teach you how to vet out your travel insurance. So the next question is, and this is a very hard one, this one was heartbreaking for me. Is your personal health information translated into the local language? And you're like, why is that important? My son was in the ER. Like you said, they were asking for it in Japanese. Right, they couldn't read it. And there is a, let's give all your listeners a beautiful Christmas gift. If you have an iPhone, you have a tool that can solve that problem right now for free. Every iPhone comes with an app that's called the Health app. If you open up your screen and get your application window and slide down, you can do a search for health. It's a white box with a red heart. In the lower right-hand side of that app, there is the medical ID. In the medical ID, you can type in English and a foreign language, your name, your emergency contacts. I take metatopril for heart valve issues from rheumatic fever. I've had prior surgeries. My blood type is this. I have an allergy to penicillin, right? All those life-saving tools and information are in my health app, but here's where it gets cool. If you were unconscious or I was unconscious and someone picked up my phone and they pushed the home button twice, they can call the three-digit emergency number anywhere in the world to notify authorities that you need help. When you do that on my phone, because I have activated the health app, it also sends a pen to my husband and my son saying Cheryl Hill is having an emergency at this location. And it's free, and it's on your phone. The other tool you have that can help on your phone is called Google Translate. The Google Translate app is incredible. I've had people criticize me because I say that because they say it's only 70% accurate. I said it's getting better every day. I have no words, and now I have 70% accurate words. I'll take 70%. On the Google Translate app, there is a camera. It's on the left side of the app. You can download many languages, and they're getting really sophisticated with exotic languages that have exotic alphabets. I recently did. I do Japan. I've done Korea. I've done Hindi. There And some simple Mandarin. There are lots of dialects, but it's getting very, very good. And if I click the lens and I have a health record in front of me, I had to sign releases in Japanese that I could not read. Today, I would use Google Translate. I would click the lens. I would hold my camera lens over the document, and on the screen of my phone, it would translate that text into English. It's a rock amazing. star. There, it there is amazing. A, a woman I have who, she travels all over the globe. She's legally blind. And but she's also uh, an instructor. But anyway, long story short, um, she kind of lives for that because she has to trust people. Um, mm-hmm. And and not all countries are as friendly as you know one place is not as friendly as another. So anyway, she has um, uses that extensively, and she's not afraid. She just goes where she goes uh, and does what she does. Um, but that has been well, she would benefit greatly 
from Travel Heroes, I'm sure, and I have to tell you something really wonderful about what we're doing. Our first pilot is St. Cloud State University Confucius Institute with Dr. Katherine Johnson. She's amazing. And Dr. Katherine Johnson is an immense advocate. If you look at her history for probably a decade, Dr. Johnson has been advocating, and she doesn't like to call them disabled travelers. You are able to travel, but you are traveling with disabilities. And so she has, uh, in our airport, I love this, the Minneapolis Airport Commission has decided Minneapolis Airport will be, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport will be the first airport to be inclusive and accessible to people who travel with disabilities. Like one of the things they pointed out was the the hand dryers in airport bathrooms are hurtful. They hurt hearing aids. So they're changing that and they're doing braille and everything. And so we're, we're doing some really great things to be inclusive with travel. So the, the next question, question number eight, do your emergency contacts have power of attorney and active passports good for six months beyond the date of your return to pass validity rule? Today in, a, in an interview with another uh, news station, I was asked, why do I need that? Why is that even important? Are you, um, that's just over the top. And I said, really? So I'm in Japan. This is, this is our, my story. I'm in Japan. My son is on life support. And in Japan, they don't have the disconnect if you're brain dead rule. It took an act of Congress, literally, to disconnect my son from life support because he was brain dead. And it was the hardest thing ever. And they worked courageously for three days without sleep to ease my pain. But it could have been that they would have said no. And if they would have said no, they would have withheld nourishment from my son's body until his heart stopped. And that could have taken months. And I'm in Japan. And who back home has my power of attorney to execute and care for my son, my household, pay my bills, get my insurance, you know, access my bank account or do whatever? Every person everywhere, no matter where you are, or even if you don't travel abroad, needs to have a power of attorney that they trust who can execute if they are not able to do so, or if you are in another country and you're not there to do it. I can't tell you how many times I've had to send the forms to someone in another country who has to leave their loved one's bedside. So this story you just told me, oh, they're going to fly me to my daughter if she needs me. Bedside assistant. Isn't that awesome? It's not mm. awesome if you don't have so Pollyanna, I had no idea. <laughs> so what will happen is you have to leave your daughter's bedside and get on a bus and get to the embassy because seriously, signing a, a notarization is a very American thing. And you have to pretty much get that done at the embassy. And I had a student who was in Japan, the mom was irate with me because she had to leave her son and be on a bus for three hours to get to the embassy to get her power of attorney notarized by the embassy. And I said, you should have done this before you left. Before you Nobody left. told me. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Don't blame me. I'm helping you here, right? I'm trying to give you tools that will make travel how, awesome in life-saving ways. How do you press I, on, Cheryl? How do you, how do you keep going? The greatest reward of my life is when these kids call me up and they say, oh, Mama Hill, I am in travel safety heaven with you. Thank you for giving me the world oh. and giving my mom and dad peace of mind. And I can tell you that I have not been able to save Tyler. Tyler died, but I have saved thousands. And when a mom or a dad calls me or a wife and says, you saved my husband's life in Belize or you saved my child's life in Costa Rica, I can hear that and I can be grateful. And then I say, Thank you for honoring me with that compliment, but I didn't. You did it. You did it. Hooray for you because you had the tools to get the job done, right? These are rudimentary skills we should all know and do. They're just things we should teach. You know, I was on the phone with this guy. He says, I was on your website, and you said that people should travel with a fire, with a smoke alarm, and with a door wedge, and with a life straw, for pure water. Don't you think that that's just paranoid? Like you're just spreading paranoia. And I said, you know what? This is what I know. You don't get a second chance to make that right decision. You stay in a bed and breakfast or you stay into an Airbnb or a VRBO where anybody with a key can get into your door while you're sleeping and they do, it's over. 
Nobody gets into my room when I'm sleeping because I have a $2 door witch that I stick under the door. You don't have to do it. Wow. You can call me paranoid, but I sleep like a baby. As for that smoke alarm, we in America know that that's a law, that you have to have a smoke alarm. I was in Cabo San Lucas in a four-star hotel, and there was no smoke alarm. I carry a $5 hardware variety. It weighs like less than a half a pound, and it doesn't take much space. And when I get there, I look for the smoke alarm. And if it's not there, I ask, hey, there's no smoke alarm in my room at the four-star hotel in Cabo. And he says, hey, lady, no worries. We see smoke, we get you out. I said, if you see smoke, I'm unconscious and dead. I'm going to put my smoke alarm up on the wall. Thank you very much. And when it comes to water, you do not have to eat, but you have to drink. And if you're in a situation like Cabo during the hurricane, very often feces and water tend to mix in pools or wherever they're trying to get water to serve vast populations. I can use my live straw, and it will clear 99% of all waterborne pathogens, and I can drink it with confidence. It's a $20 straw. It weighs a couple ounces, and it can save my life. Have I ever used it? Nope. I hope I never have to. But I have four at my house, and they're going to stay here because if something should happen and I won't have water, I could go out to my lake and I can drink safely. Five gallons and gallons and gallons of water. Why is that dumb? Where do you find a life straw? If you go to our website, departspart.org, and you click Mm -hmm. Travel Safety Tools, and then you click the tab um, Safety Products, we have an Amazon affiliate. This is just transparency. We get paid a percentage on every product you buy, so it supports our work. You could buy the the life straw, the smoke alarm, the safety locks, the door wedge. There are there's anything you need. Cool products on there that I love, like MiFi's. I love I love traveling with a MiFi because if you're you should all unlock your phones. And when you land at your destination, you buy a SIM card. It's an intelligent card that gives your the brains of your smartphone. And you could do that. I did that when I went to Japan several times. I unlocked my phone. I got to the Narita airport. I bought a SIM card. Now my phone is a Japanese phone. And I can make local calls. And for calls back home, I would use Google Hangout or Skype or WhatsApp or Facebook video or whatever, right? So I can do free calls uh, without roaming charges or data charges when I'm in Japan. On MiFi, when we were in Australia and I did my homework because I teach you how to do this, I learned because of my research that the hotels in Australia charge you a chunk to use their Wi-Fi. A lot. I mean, it was like $20 a person a day. I'm like, you're kidding me. So when I landed in Australia, I bought a MiFi. A MiFi is a personal Wi-Fi. So anybody close to me, and we could attach up to six devices, had high digital bandwidth to send and receive data. So I was very popular. My husband and my son stayed very (laughs) close to me. And we could all search the Internet and do Facebook or whatever we wanted to do as long as you were within uh, listening distance, which was several hundred yards of the MiFi. Mm -hmm. Okay, now the next question. Um, Do you know where the U.S. Embassy is and how to reach it? And it's not just the U.S. Embassy. It's the hospital, the airport, your points of departure. And relying on your cell phone to get you there may not be prudent because in uh, natural weather disasters or civil unrest, cell phones are often blocked. They don't work. And so we often recommend that people use a satellite phone or they have a map, right? My son wanted health care. He called 911. He knew he needed medical attention. He was dehydrated. He was dying. And he was minutes from the Japanese Red Cross Hospital. And don't ever let that happen to you. You need to know where your embassy is because they can direct you to the best care. You should have travel insurance. You can call the 1-800 number, get a translator, and they will medically evacuate you if need be to the best care available. No one should be denied health care anywhere in the world, and often you have to prepay. And this, these are the tools that we teach. The last question, are your important documents, such as your passport, your health care information, stored electronically? I shouldn't have had to gone digging for Tyler's health care. Mm-hmm. And if your wallet is stolen, 
you need to have a credit card you can access to make purchases for emergencies. And if you have your passport digitally, and there's all kinds of tools you can use. You can use iCloud, you can use Google Drive, you can use Dropbox. If those are stored digitally and you can present a digital image of your passport, the embassy can replace it much faster than if you don't have it. So those are our top 10 questions. I went deeper and broader than I usually do when I present them because I gave some elements of what we teach, show you, and do with you when we wrap our love's arms around you to show you and help you and convert you into a travel hero who has super safety skills and can identify and mitigate risk at help and home and help others. And so far, everyone who's taken our course has called it Rockstar Fun. (laughs) <laughs> and I signed up. I haven't committed my hours. I, th- there's just no excuse. I'm inspired yet again, and it's very important. Um, so we tell people this. It's our, it's our baby. Get your coffee yes. in the morning. Get up. Get your coffee. Commit to 10, 10 minutes a day. For six days, you'll be done. 10 minutes a day for six days. And you'll have fun doing it. Change your life. <laughs> yeah, change your life. Oh, my gracious. Well, you are Nobody an inspiration. Nobody wants to take a safety uh, Well, you know, uh, we think we do, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, nah, it's, it's going to be worked. Um, we're we're a little too lazy, and it's not worth, you know. I can you know, tell you that. I have, I have done workshops upon workshops upon workshops with parents like you who really are putting it out there that I care about my daughter's safety, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to do this, and then something will happen, and they call me. I'm like, why are you calling me? So because this happened, I says, why are you calling me? Because I don't know what to do. I said, you you didn't do what I told you to do, did you? You didn't buy travel insurance. Nope. You didn't register your trip at the State Department. Nope. You didn't go to the travel medicine clinic and your child's sick. And they said, nope. I said, why did you sit through my course? Why did you? And I used to do it in person. And so what I can tell you is that I sleep at night now because I gave you the opportunity to learn what you need to know, to give your daughter the world safely. And it's on you. It's on you now. It's not on me. Because I have done everything in my power to empower you to be a travel hero. Wow. I'm sorry, but I just feel like that. I'm like, go get smart. (laughs) What What do you say they call you, Mama Hill? Mama Hill, hashtag Mama Hill. <laughs> they also call me Mama Bear. <laughs> but you know what? Whatever it takes, and you've done it in spades. And Tyler, he was an inspiration, and I am so sorry for it, that you lost your baby. Um, but I thank I you for helping yeah, so many one. other people. You know, be I my Mama Bear too. <laughs> On my LinkedIn, I embraced that finally. I thought, you know what? I am a mama bear. You know what? And I will say this about the University of Minnesota and your professor who's trying to do this wonderful thing. They don't get any help. There are no consumer travel protections or reportings that give them guidelines to make informed decisions either. So when you get off the phone, you should call your professor and say, Mrs. Hill wants to work with you. She wants you to be Depart Smart Safety Certified. And my God, you need to do it. Because when you do it, the students will love you and they'll call you Papa Bear. Oh, thank you so much, my dear. We'll have to have well, you back. You. I'll tell you how it works for Tyra. And I will I will talk to this, uh, not just that, in, in that whole department. Um, we, we don't, we're, out, we're out of time today, but um, there's some legislation that didn't pass it should have. On and on and on, but we'll have you back. Yeah. And you just Tyra um, needs have to take a, the course herself, you know, and have her sit with me. <laughs> but there um, you go. <laughs> but um, I, we will we will talk again. You have an amazing uh, holiday season. I thank you for sharing your story, for sharing Tyler, for all that you did to inspire me to just. It doesn't make sense to be so complacent. So um, I thank you. This is Hair, Head, and Heart. I'm Mary Reed Johnson. You were listening to Cheryl Hill, and I encourage you to go to departsmart.org and bring your babies home safely. Travel yourself more safely. Be smart about it. Talk to you next week. 
Thank you for joining the discussion on Hair, Head, and Heart with your host, Mary Reed Johnson. Mary steps from behind the chair to discuss universal topics and share passions and insights to help all ages and communities know better, do better, and be better. Join us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Check out Hair, Head, and Heart homepage on BBS Radio or visit 3hwellness.org to grow with us.